It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, good morning. Great to see you this morning. This is the first Sunday of a brand new month. And early in the month, uh, each month we like to highlight and celebrate what God's doing digitally from Elevate Church to the people and the community that we reach beyond our four walls. We have a, a mission as a church that simply stated is four words, reach people, build people. And uh, we have three front-facing ways we do that. It's not the only three things we do, but uh, those are our live experience. So thankfully, people that live in the Perth metro area, like y'all, as well as the hills, can gather here uh, every Sunday and uh, worship together and and go on the journey together. And we also have our online experience, which we have live at 10 a.m., 5 p.m. every Sunday and then on demand from there. And that's kicking along brilliantly. And then our podcast. So we capture the message that's preached here on a Sunday and then push that out on all of the major podcast platforms. In fact, this week we added two new platforms. One of them uh, is a podcast platform that is exclusively uh, for the Middle East and Arab nations. So there'll be the opportunity to reach uh, people in those many countries that make up that uh, this week. Now, in April, here's a couple of milestones for our podcast. We had 1,770 listens in the month of April, which kicked us over into the 80,000 plus total lifetime listens arena, which is great, right? Brilliant, love it. And uh, in... um, April, some of the countries, thought we'd do a little Asia spotlight this morning, love Asia. Some of the countries that uh, people joined in our podcast include the Philippines, go to the Philippines, India, and get this, four, uh, three of the top four countries were Asian countries. Australia was number one, we're not always number one, but get this, number four in listeners in April was Hong Kong, love Hong Kong. Uh, number three, Singapore. Love Singapore. And number two, Thailand. Hello. Um, So that's great. So how about we welcome all of our podcast people joining us today for week four of our series. Now, how many of you, actually, you might not want to put your hands up, just sort of acknowledge it to yourself. How many of you are old enough to remember watching TV in the late 1900s? If you were, yeah, if you were, you will remember a thing called commercials, okay? And because and, I'm not talking about the, the YouTube version of commercials that, you know, mostly you can skip after six seconds. No, I'm talking about you are sitting there and you are, you are repeatedly victimized by having four to six back-to-back 30-second non-skippable commercials shoved down your throat. And here's the thing, every month, that you hand over your money for your favorite TV streaming service, just know that part of the value you're getting is no commercials from that 10.95 a month bargain. 
I no longer, I mean, if you watch Freeview, King Charles, Coronation, fine, you still are unfortunately allowing yourself to be victimised by commercials. Um, I don't watch Freeview TV. I can't remember the last time I've watched Freeview TV. I do, however, have a fetch box. We have a fetch box. And it's permanently fixed to ESPN. ESPN broadcasting out of the States, broadcasting NFL, NBA, NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs right now, uh, Major League Baseball. So very, very, very male-focused sports, therefore male-focused channel, and they have a lot of commercials. Almost exclusively aimed at dudes. One that's on high rotation at the moment is for Ram trucks. Now, pickup trucks, Ram trucks. Ram's a brand that's a pretty big deal in the US. Not such a big deal over here. But they're trying to make a splash. And so if you want to reach Australian males, you advertise on ESPN. So there's an ad for Ram trucks right now. And by the way, pickup truck owners, you know, see the opening scene is two guys loading something at, at a house off the back of a pickup truck. Pickup truck owners, you know this. One of them owns the truck and the other one's the mate that phoned him and said, hey, listen, I've got this heavy object. Can I borrow your truck? And they were like, like Tim Davies, like, yeah, I know that call. <laughs> you only love me for my pickup. <laughs> um, so that's the opening sentence. So unload and, um, and uh, mate one says, you didn't really need a Hemi V8, did you? Big engine. Uh, and mate two goes, Get in. Next scene is this drone footage of this ram truck powering through riverbeds, going up sand dunes, tearing down back streets in the forest of the Serengeti. Not really. And uh, and 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 then and then, the, and then the final scene is mate number one who said, "You don't really need uh, uh, a Hemi V8, did you?" And mate number two says, "Get in." Mate number two looks at mate number one and says, enough said. And mate number one goes, yeah, enough said. That's the commercial. Yeah. But see, no, but, no, but, okay, all right. I'm not trying to sell you on a Ram truck, all right? I drive a 49cc Vespa. So I'm not exactly what they would consider their target market. I haven't owned a car in 20 years, all right? Nevertheless, apparently some people might want this because what the marketers with this ad are trying to communicate to the, the male species who are watching ESPN is that you probably didn't even know up to this point, but now you know that you have a ram truck shaped hole in your heart and that they very, very willingly for the low, low starting price of just, by the way, this is not fake news, $110,000, you can fill that ram shaped hole in your heart and live happily ever after. See, one of the things when it comes to marketing and commercials is actually the product isn't the promise. The product isn't what the, they're trying to tap into. And I'm not saying this cynically. This is just the reality. The, what, what they're trying to tap into is that we have a yearning in us for a greater life, for better. And, and most of the decisions, I'm not saying all, oh, because all of us make dumb decisions from time to time, but 
generally speaking, most people who've got, you know, a bit of wisdom are, are trying to make decisions that will actually lead their life to greater. It doesn't always work out, but that's the motivation. But what you've probably found and what I've found is that in some of these things that we choose to, to experience and to purchase, etc., they're not even necessarily bad. And they will fill a certain hole, but none of them, no amount of accomplishments and stuff and experiences will ultimately fill a hole that I would want you and I to very clearly understand is actually a God-shaped hole that exists in our heart. And the only thing that will fill the God-shaped hole is God himself. And so we've been teaching this series called Follow Me. This is a, a very simple two-word invitation that Jesus gave on numerous occasions to people that he interacted with. And in fact, the first three weeks when we taught, we taught, looked at Jesus inviting a particular individual. The first week was Matthew, a Jewish tax collector. The second week was a rich young ruler who said no. And uh, then last week was Peter who said yes, and then kind of reverse course. But then Jesus asked, invited him again. And thankfully he said yes, the second time as well, follow me. So you can catch them on our podcast. We talked about that. But today, Jesus' invitation is actually given to a crowd of people. Okay. And it points to an invitation to a greater life. Now, if you've got your smartphone camera, you can scan this flow code. It's going to take you to John chapter 8. So John's one of the four biographers of Jesus' life on this earth that we have access to. It's the fourth of the four. Um, and what I'm going to drop us into in chapter 8 is actually Jesus, he'd gone to the temple and people had sort of organically gathered around him because that's kind of, he's pretty irresistible. And he started teaching them. But I'm not going to drop us into where he starts teaching them. I'm going to drop us into where he resumes teaching them. Because actually between when he started teaching them and where he resumes, which is where we're going to drop into, there was a pretty confronting interruption. And we might come back to that. So, Jesus spoke to the people once more. So again, this is post-interruption. And said, I am the light of the world. Question, invitation. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, just dropping this would like, this would be worth the price of admission this morning because this is phenomenal. I mean, who doesn't want a little less darkness in their life and a little more light in their life? Hello. And Jesus says, there's a way to achieve that. There's a way to experience that. It's by following me. Like, okay, great, fantastic. I mean, this is even better than a Ram truck. You have to take my word for that. But as I mentioned, this slice, this, this promise, this invitation, this actually came off the back of an interruption and actually it was intended as a response to 
the interruption. And this is the interruption. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, for the record, everything about this is fishy to me. First of all, it was the morning. Don't you think the religious leaders might have had something better to do? in the morning, then walk around playing Merv the Perv, peeking into people's bedroom window. Secondly, where's the guy? I mean, last time I checked from biology class, it takes two to tango, if you know what I'm saying. Number three, why are they bringing her to Jesus? He didn't have any official capacity to judge her according to the law of anybody. But actually, John, he uses the word, they did this to try and trap Jesus. It was a setup, at least an attempted setup. And this is why, it, it, this is sort of like why they thought they could paint Jesus into a corner. First of all, if he said no, that we shouldn't do that, despite what the law of Moses instructs us that he could be as a Jewish rabbi branded as a heretic like don't listen to this guy he doesn't actually believe in the law of Moses or if Jesus said yes we should 
put her to death, we should stone her to death, then he's actually would be contradicting some of the teachings that he was becoming very well known for about mercy and grace and forgiveness. So he's a hypocrite. And, and then there's this third one, because by the way, Jesus was becoming a threat to the religious leaders because of his growing popularity. He's like a, a modern day rock star back in that time. And in that particular place and particular point in time, the only people who had the authority to condemn someone to death were the Romans. So if Jesus actually said, yeah, green light, let's kill her, then they could have had Jesus arrested by the Romans and have eliminated the threat. Jesus is out of the way. But to paraphrase the late great Patrick Swayze, nobody paints Jesus into a corner. Okay, never mind. All right. Delete that from the 12 o'clock session. But, in, but <laughs> you understand, this was like all in the moment, right? Like they just sort of ambushed him. <laughs> and Jesus is so clever. Like we, call, we talk a lot about the genius of Jesus. He actually didn't answer their question. <laughs> and instead he bent down and started writing something in the dirt. And here I am in 2023 wondering why Steve Jobs couldn't get his act together sooner and invented the iPhone so that there would have been some onlookers who were filming it because I, for one, I wanna know what he was writing in the ground. And John doesn't say. That said, there's a lot of internet sleuths that have been sleuthing for centuries now who have come up with some theories, some educated guesses. Let me, let me tell you two of my favourites. My second favourite of the theories floating around is that Jesus started writing the names of the religious leaders that were gathered and then under each of their names started writing a list of their sins. And they're like, how did he know that? That's my second favourite. <clears throat> my... Absolute favourite is, again, this is a theory, not my theory, it's just my favourite theory that someone else came up with, is that Jesus wrote in the ground, just the names, well, the title was, those religious leaders standing here today who themselves have committed adultery and starts writing their names for everyone. Hashtag awkward. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. Reality is we'll never know what he was writing in the ground. And, and, and here's my encouragement. Actually, don't get fixated on that because actually, because we'll never know, but actually to get fixated on that is to miss the fact that he, was, he did that. He, he bent to write in the ground, sandwiched between two expressions of darkness. Okay. The, the first one was the darkness of the religious people who thought part of their job description was to go around judging people. And we go, oh yeah, stupid religious people. But listen, you actually know how easy it is to fall into that trap. All right. I mean, let's just say you have decided for whatever reason, maybe to get that beach bod going, get, get into some great shape. So you choose one of the diet approaches, you know, low carb, keto, vegan, all cheese, 
more chocolate. I don't know, whatever. I'm not selling in anything, but you just want to, you know, maybe start working out as well. And, you know, after a couple of months, like, you know, feeling good, dropped a little bit of weight, starting to sleep better, feeling great. And uh, you go to a party or you maybe roll into a restaurant with some friends and you start looking around and you're thinking to yourself, I can't believe these people are eating that crap. Forgetting that you were one of these people just two months ago. It is so easy to do that. And the same thing goes when it comes to following Jesus, that as we choose to follow Jesus, you'll start to experience better. You become less selfish, more interested in other people. You'll start forgiving people that you thought you could never forgive. And in doing so, letting go of some bitterness that's been like festering inside you, you start to uh, become more and more aware of God's generosity towards you. And so you start to become more generous in response. And all these things start to happen and we start to experience a greater life. Not a perfect life, but a greater life than the one we were living before we started following Jesus. But here's the pro move. As we start to experience a greater life, never let go, never lose sight of the fact that that, those people used to be you and used to be me. That there's still some things going on in your life that you wouldn't want Jesus riding in the sand in front of some of your family and friends. Right? So who are we to judge? And, and, and took a leading by example. Jesus, Jesus put the bar at this height. Any one of you that's without sin, throw the first stone. And so actually in that moment, in that gathered space, the only person qualified to throw a stone was Jesus and He chose not to. In fact, if you... Walk around, this is a metaphor, but hang in there. If you walk around with stones in your hands, you have literally no room for anything else. You can't offer anything else. No, I just got these stones. And you can't receive anything else. Now, it doesn't mean that we should green light and validate everything that people are doing that we might consider to be less than God's best, okay? It, it simply means that it's highly unlikely that your judgment of them is going to prove to be their turning point. Like, have you ever met somebody who used to be an addict of some description and when they share their story with you, they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you're not gonna believe this. I was an addict and then someone judged me and honestly, it turned my life around. Rock throwing doesn't turn people's life around. Leave the judging to God. But again, 
It doesn't mean that we green light and validate everything that people are doing that, that's God's business, but it's just in the judgment. If you wanna see them reach a turning point, live by example, uh, pray for them. Even people walking in darkness, typically there's, there's at least one or two bright spots somewhere. And so look for the bright spots and encourage them with words in those bright spots. Be generous towards them. Well, they deserve it. Well, you didn't deserve God's forgiveness either, but He did it anyway. And, and ultimately, demonstrate what it means to walk in the light. And so that was the first darkness that this slice records. Then Jesus does this gesture, writes in the sand, and then we're confronted with another form of darkness that also is judgment, in this case, judging ourselves. Because sometimes we are the worst critics of ourselves because we know what's going on under the hood. <laughs> we know what God wants for us. And when we fall short of that, it's very easy to start condemning ourselves and uh, living in the darkness of guilt and shame. Now, I'll just lighten the mood a little bit. During the week, came up with a couple of, uh, saw a couple of posts, uh, actually posted by people who <laughs> fell victim to what are collectively known as regret meals. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Come on now. All right, here's the first one. Uh, I bought a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, parked where there was no one around and ate in silence. Well, there was some soft moaning. See, that's, that's, that's a regret meal. On oh, this one, this guy, I like this one. At least I like his honesty. I don't think his wife is on his uh, Twitter account. I told my wife I was going to the gym, but went to McDonald's instead. I waited till it seemed long enough for a workout. And when I got home, I poured water on my head and shirt to make it look like I'd been sweating. All right. Yeah, all right. Okay. So there's this woman. She had experienced more than a regret meal at McDonald's. She's now publicly been shamed and all of those people have now left and yet there's still a darkness there in that moment a, a judgment and it's not coming from Jesus it's highly likely that this woman was left judging herself and Jesus stood up again and said to the woman where are your accusers don't didn't even one of them condemn you this word accuser, this is actually the same word that's used for the devil, by the way. And it's about, when it's used for the devil, it's about him speaking lies about you and sometimes inside your own head and, and, and on repeat to the point where we start believing them. Sometimes it's other people, but in this case, sometimes it's us. And here's, here's the thing we, we learn about Jesus in this moment is He doesn't just want to silence your accusers. He's actually willing to stand between you and your accusers. Jesus is not just a saviour, He's also a protector. And one of the things He wants to get rid of in our lives is this idea of self-accusation. Now, again, doesn't mean that you or I should start green lighting everything that we do that's less than God's best, okay? Don't condemn yourself. Don't judge yourself. 
Instead, and this is the instruction Jesus gave to her, said, there's no accusers, no one condemn you, neither do I. And then he said to her, go and sin no more. This points to this idea. Go and sin no more. Go and live better. Go and live higher. Go and walk in the light. And in fact, this is where in the next iteration, he taught this promise off of this invitation on the back of this interruption. That there's a group of religious leaders, they're not walking in the light. They could, but they're not. And, and, and then there's a woman and she's just an archetype of someone who's doing stuff that's less than God's best. And so she's not walking in the light either. And so he says to the crowd who had a very lively morning watching all this go down, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. So it's a journey. It's not, you won't ever experience darkness. It's not all of the darkness will go tomorrow. It could. But as you follow me, you will have the light that leads to life. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.